Hello, and welcome to the Four Elements of Healthcare podcast, the podcast where we explore healthcare as it relates to the patient's perspective. I'm your host, Vasanth Kankuriam, internist, pediatrician, and mini cupcake baker. On today's episode, we bring on Scott Weiss, a life coach and founder of K-Journal. Scott's journey started after his mother passed away from Alzheimer's. He had spent six years taking care of her, and suddenly he felt lost. In our conversation today, he shares his journey and how he helps people live life with purpose. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Scott, for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. Yeah, great. Awesome. So in the past, we've talked about, you know, health and the fact that 36% of health is determined by individual behavior, right? And so as we think about that, behavior change um, requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of reflection. Um, And, you know, in the traditional medical model, a lot of times when we're focused on patients who have behavior change, we're like, oh, you know, see a therapist. But things have evolved, right? We now have a world where we've got health coaches, we've got life coaches, we've got people really helping find that motivating factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can not just be done by doctors, but there's a whole bunch of other folks who are in this sphere, such as yourself, you know, a life coach. So yeah. tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about, you know, who is Scott Weiss? What do you do? What's a life coach? And what do you do different than, say, a traditional therapist? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a great question because we're so drastically different. Although some people think of it in the same realm. And one, I'm not a licensed therapist. I didn't go to school for it. And so if you're looking for me to help you with situations in the past and how to deal with them, I'm not your guy. Therapy is great. I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I've gone through, you know, through therapy myself to deal with troubling times in my life. And it really gave me great tools to be able to deal with those situations. Um, Where life coaching is different and, and, and really why I got into life coaching was because I spent six years taking care of my mom. And I've always been an individual that is just drawn to taking care of other people. I, I enjoy it. It gives me great satisfaction. And, and, and it's just always been a part of who I am. But the other part of who I am was somebody that never took care of myself. And I didn't realize that until after my mom passed and I spent six years taking care of her. And I really kind of lost myself in that process. And so after she passed, I made a commitment to myself after doing a lot of reflection, I did a lot of reflection. I, I did a lot of reflection when my father passed when I was 17. And so reflection has always been a part of my life. But I realized that I, I just I wanted more for myself. I lost myself in this process and I didn't really understand who I was anymore. Nor did I probably ever have a really great grasp of who that individual was to begin with. And so... I started and I'd heard about all of the wonderful things that journaling does for people. But every time I looked at a blank page, I just had no idea what to do with it. And so I started to just think about what are all of the priorities in my life? What are all of the things that bring me passion? And I started to write those down and then understand what did I want to do with them? Did I want to do anything with them? Maybe they were just fun things that I enjoyed, but I didn't really want to put any effort into them. But journaling allowed me to understand what those passions, what those priorities were. 
And then allowed me to truly figure out what a plan or a course of action was going to be in order to then incorporate them into my life and figure out where I wanted to make best use of them, if you will. And, and one of the things that you were saying was, you know, the, setting these goals and priorities. And oftentimes I find that people really struggle with them, right? So you sort of think about yeah. like, you know, how do you even think about a goal? How do you even think about whether you know you're successful or not? Because oftentimes, you know, particularly when, when I talk to patients, they struggle with, um, you know, you, you sort of think really big um, and then you get intimidated by how, how big that that dream and desire is. So 100%. How do you approach something like that? Well, yeah. And oftentimes when you're thinking on those grand scales, which is fantastic because you should be, you should be thinking about things that excite you and what you want for your future self. But that often is extremely intimidating. And how do we know what we're supposed to do today in order to do that? If we've never been there, we have nobody else saying, hey, just follow this path. And so the reality is that fear of tackling that big achievement paralyzes a lot of people until they just break things down into smaller, more manageable pieces. So what is this end goal that you want? Okay, well, now let's back things up. And what do you have to do on a daily or a weekly basis that it then allows you to reach that goal? And so sometimes the goals are too big or sometimes the goals are too small. Let's just say this is a huge time for people to make New Year's resolutions and they say that they want to lose five pounds or maybe we want to lose 10 pounds. And so we put a plan in place, not even thinking about it. We keep it in our head and we put a plan in place and say, oh, I'm going to cut cards or I'm going to go on keto, which is a different great options for people. But we're doing it for a specific reason of losing the 10 pounds. And then what happens when people lose that pounds, they celebrate and then they kind of go off maybe the rails for the weekend and, and then comes Monday and they don't plan the way that they did before. And then all of a sudden this yo-yo comes into effect. Well, you wanted to lose those 10 pounds, but what was the bigger purpose? You want to be a little healthier. Maybe you want to be more active. So while we're focused on those 10 pounds, we lose sight of the bigger goal all along, which then allows us to maybe lose that weight and then maintain that weight over the course of the, of the years to come because we always have that future goal or understanding of what we want for ourselves. So it's really a combination of, of both that people struggle with with goals is putting them too big and then not being able to break them down into smaller, more manageable pieces to move forward, setting them too small and not realizing what the bigger goal of what you're trying to achieve is that will allow you to make things sustainable versus just achieving it on a, on a, on a, you know, through a quick diet or something along those lines. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting concept because I think one of the things you mentioned was, you know, oftentimes people have a, a goal to lose weight, but maintaining weight is another goal right after it. Right. And I think oftentimes we, we forget that because you're like, right, you, you haven't just achieved one goal and you're, you're done. Mm -hmm. Second goal is actually maintaining it. So that's interesting. So one of the yeah. things that oftentimes we talk about are SMART goals, right? And so people, when we think about goals, um, many of us have been taught about SMART goals. I think a lot of people aren't, aren't necessarily aware of those, right? And so SMART stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, right? Once again, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Do you use SMART goals when you work with your clients? 
Absolutely. Uh, even with a lot of different facilitation that I do, and I even have a workbook that I give uh, to individuals that break all of those pieces down so that you can think about all of those specific aspects when you are actually writing down your goal. Because again, I can say that I want to be this individual, but you know, do I have the capabilities to achieve that? Do I have the physical capabilities to achieve that? Because you know, if we don't have the physical capabilities to achieve it, then you know, sometimes those goals, we're going to get frustrated because we're not going to be able to then hit those goals. And so we want to make sure that we're encompassing all of those things so that um, um, it feels better for us. And that's really the key is to keep us energized and excited while we're trying to achieve these goals so that we don't get defeated and we don't get deflated because there's enough obstacles that are going to come in your way when you're trying to achieve these goals. And you don't need to self-sabotage by, by making a, a goal maybe unachievable. And I say that because sometimes maybe people don't put a time frame on it and say, I want to lose 20 pounds. But, but well, when do you want to lose that weight by? When do you want this to happen? And if you don't put all of those pieces in place, then you can't really do the most important thing with putting an action plan together for yourself about how you're going to now spend your time. Because if you want this, you have to think about, okay, well, where am I now? What are the habits and the routines that got me here? Because if I want to go here, then I'm going to have to change these habits and routines in order to make my life move in that direction. And so it's really just, it's, and that's where reflection comes in. It's about, you know, just, understanding where you are and then putting putting those plans together to be able to move yourself uh, to where you want to be. So let's talk a little bit about the future. Right? So in the yeah. past, we've um, had a conversation on, on vision boards, right? And so um, recently, actually, I had assigned some ho- homework to a patient. Um, and that homework was to do um, a vision board. And so, um, you know, that patient um, you know, came back to me and, and did it. And it, it's very powerful. Um, but they were also like, I've never had a doctor assign me um, vision board homework before. So yeah. what is a vision board and why do you think it's powerful? Oh, first of all, I think that that's wonderful and, and that's great because it's amazing to incorporate all of these different aspects into the care for an individual. And, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, okay, I want to put this up on my vision board. You know, this is all of the, I call them shower thoughts, right? All of the ideas that I had while I was in the shower and I, it would kind of, you know, light the hair on the back of my neck and, and just make me feel like <clears throat> that was a great idea. What do we do with those thoughts and ideas? Those are thoughts and ideas to put down on a vision board and to figure out what you want for yourself. What do you want out of life? And when you, and when you create that and when you put them down on a vision board, it allows you to not get distracted with all of the distractions in life. And so this is where journaling and vision boards are great because there's a lot of things that are going to come in and out of our life over the course of a month, over the course of a year, or over the course of two years that are going to distract us from achieving the goals that we want. When you keep those goals in front of you and you look at them every single day, you minimize the distractions that are going to come in and out of your life by being able to say no. That's a great idea, but it's, it's not the most important thing for me right now. And you stay focused on these ideas that you have for yourself so that, again, 
you can bring them into your life. And that's really what a vision board allows you to do is to put these thoughts and ideas in front of you so that you can minimize the distractions that come your way and you can stay focused on, on those goals. Because once you lose sight of those goals, you lose momentum. And then it's so hard to, to, to bring those back. I was working with a guy and when we first started, he was like, oh yeah, I've got all these ideas. I got a notebook in the back of my car with 10 different ideas on it. And it's just like, that's what you should be keeping on a vision board in, in, in front of you every single day so that, so that you bring those things into your life. So why is it important to say no, right? Because one of the key things you mentioned was, you know, things come across your way um, and then you might be tempted to do them, but then they might not be in sync with that big goal that you have. Um, so I guess, is it important to say no and, and why? It is so important to say no, but people don't understand that because they don't have their priorities set for themselves. And so when you set your priorities for yourself, you can then better manage all of these different ideas that come in, in and out of your life. And that doesn't mean that saying no is, is that that's a bad idea or that's something that, you know, you don't ever want to, you know, kind of take a look at. That just means that no, right now, this is the priority and these are the things that I have going on and I don't have capacity to take on something else that would distract me from moving myself in the direction that I want. And what happens is that people feel frustrated. You're always going to be busy regardless of what it is that you're doing. But when you're busy, all of a sudden, not moving yourself in the direction because we say yes to things that sometimes keep us maybe parallel to where we are that aren't necessarily moving us forward. And so that's where understanding our priorities and our values and, and what we want for ourselves and our families first, we can then better, you know, be better be equipped to say yes or no to whatever situation is going to come in front of us. That makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things that I, in particular, you know, when I decided to open up my practice, um, I stared at this diagram of Ikigai. And I think we've, we've spoken about this before. Ikigai is a, is a concept. And it really sort of talks about your reason for being, what drives you every day. And, and so it's four concepts that, are, that come together. What you love, what you're good at what you can be paid for and what the world needs. And when all of these concepts together, it's your ikigai and your reason for being. And oftentimes in life, we talk about this is my passion or this is my mission. Um, but according to this concept, even those are not enough. You actually need everything to come together, right? So what you're good at and what you love is your passion. What you love and what the world needs is your mission, your calling. Mm -hmm. You know, what the world needs and what you can be paid for is your vocation. It's something that you can actually sustain. And then what you can be paid for and what you're good at is your profession. But where your passion, your mission, your profession, and your vocation all come together is this ikigai. And to me, I've interpreted those as your four elements once again, right? So I'm all about this four elements theme. And yeah. so what you love is represented by fire. Um, what the world needs is represented by air because that's where you're called to do something, right? We, we communicate via air. Um, what you can be paid for is, is the earth because that's sort of ultimately the, the stability and the stance that we have to move forward with what we want. And what you're good at is water because water flows effortlessly. And as you become good at something, there's no effort. And then you it's become just natural. good and you, it's natural. And you share that um, to another set of hands, right? And so yeah. to me, so what when you work with folks and, and they feel lost or they, they're struggling with, you know, um, you know, I'm not getting along with my family or every time around this person, they make me feel a certain way that's not good for me. Do you use a kind of framework like Ikigai, Ikigai or anything else to sort of help them 
focus? What is their vision for themselves? 100%. I love this diagram because I think that it really represents what people need to focus on. Um, Because, you know, we're brought up with this whole notion of fixing what we're not good at. And so there are things that I'm never going to be good at. And if I always focus on that, then I'm not doing myself a service of focusing on the things that I'm really good at. And so understanding all four of those kind of key elements, the fact that this is our journey, there is no one here to, 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 to move our journey forward other than us, but we all need help. We, we can't do this journey alone. And so if, if other people need help, then it's up to us to then help other people. And so this whole concept of giving what you have that is the best of yourself, because everyone is special, everyone is unique, and everyone has the ability to, to, to find that one thing that is, that is, that is great for them and, and give that to the world, right? Like help other people with, with what they're special at. And so the more that I'm a firm believer with all of that, that when you have all of those things in sync, um, that that's, that that's the ideal. And so you break them down and, and I just had an individual that I was working with. He was given this as a gift and he was like, Oh, great. One more thing that I needed that I need to, you know, kind of do when I told him that he needed to spend an hour every weekend planning and understanding what his, what a successful week would look like for him. Um, and then, you know, five minutes every day kind of planning his day and, and being grateful for, for different things. And so during that process, what he realized is that he spent all of this time and was so scheduled with work, but he never really prioritized the life side of it. And so we can't be in flow if we're neglecting different parts of our world. And so we have to be, we have to, you know, we have to look at all aspects. And the first thing, whenever anyone has something major or there's like a, a trauma or a death, the one thing that we always reflect back on is like, life is too short. I need to do this. Life is too short. I need to, you know, spend more time with family. But then what happens after a month goes by? You go right back into the same old routines. Why? Because you never developed or you never put anything in place that then defined well, what were you going to do that would allow you to now maybe reprioritize your family again? And so by spending some time and just mapping things out for yourself, you give yourself the direction that your life should go. And the only one that knows that is you. I can't tell you what that is. I can just give you the tools and the guide to say, here, let's figure that out. I didn't know what my purpose, my passions were in life. I had to really figure all of that out again. And what I just, I started with what I enjoyed. I started with the things that I was good at. And I started focusing on all of these different aspects of my life that I wanted that were priorities for me. And I started to reflect on, is this the individual that I want to be? And if not, what do I need to do next week to change? I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I can't change any of the actions or any of the things that happened yesterday. I can only work on who I'm going to be tomorrow, who I am today. 
And so that's what this whole process is about. It's just, it's that discovery. It's being in that flow because if I could give people the feeling of being in that flow, then that would be wonderful. But the fact is, is that you have to get there. You, you have to get there for yourself because you have to understand it for yourself. So well, let's talk about, you know, um, you know, in understanding yourself in that reflection that you alluded to, um, there's a lot of power in journaling. So I want to end today's episode um, talking, you know, briefly about journaling um, and why is journaling powerful? And number two, is journaling on pen and paper the same as typing on the computer or in your iPhone or writing on your um, smart tablet? Is the effect the same in your opinion? In my opinion, um, it's more powerful to write it down than any other electronic form. Um, but what I will say is that depending on your lifestyle, I never want anything to be a hindrance. So I have people who do work in an electronic format um, that, and it, and it works better for them than actually not journaling at all. And so, but the idea behind writing things out, and I don't know the exact scientist, you know, science behind all of this, but there's something very, very powerful with writing out a statement, seeing it, writing it, and then realizing that statement. You start to understand that the mind is very, very powerful and the thoughts that we have. And, and when you start to harness that through journaling, you really are able to kind of, not kind of, you're able to control let's just say an emotion you know, I've gone from an individual that, you know, maybe overreacted at different situations to say, I don't want to do that anymore. I've gone from being this individual that weigh 290 pounds to being an individual that weighs 210 and know that I'm going to continue to take the fitness in the direction that I want to take it. And so journaling allows you to realize that you have that power. And that's what the most important thing is for me is because I had a lot of you know, I think we all have various degrees of mental health issues and people call them issues, but I don't think that they're issues. I think that we just have various degrees of, of things that we have to deal with. And so for me, there's times where I've never, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily feel good about myself and I could potentially stay there for a day or a week. And when I don't feel great about myself, I want to throw the kitchen sink in there. And so with with journaling what this has this format has really allowed me to do is to go back to look at the things that i'm grateful for to look back at the things that i wrote down that i was grateful for to look back at the things that i wrote down of what were my wins for the week and i look back and it's just like okay well things aren't all that terrible i've, I've been here before and maybe this is just uncomfortable and i'm feeling frustrated and I can keep moving forward. And so journaling really gives you <clears throat> that power to, to maybe get yourself out of a situation that, you know, um, you're stuck in or just to, to keep that momentum going when you've gotten off the roller coaster of maybe dieting um, or, you know, a, a bad meal turned into a bad weekend, you go back to journaling and it doesn't allow that to continue to make it a bad month or a bad year. So, so it gives you the power of perspective. Yes. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so. It's your own perspective. Correct. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, and I think at the end of the day, right. Oftentimes, like you said, we get in our own way um, in, you know, behavior change, you know, also has perspective change that has to come with it as well. Um, awesome. Hey, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. This was a Thanks for having me. conversation. It's been a and, pleasure. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And let's, let's do it again soon. Look forward to it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Four Elements of Healthcare podcast. We hope you walked away learning something new that you can share with your family and friends. Join us next time as we continue to unravel the U.S. healthcare system and look at it from the perspective of the patient.